Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your energetic host, Jay Williams, co-host. And with me today is another co-host, Jeff Clossy. Good morning, Jay. How's it going? Is that your attempt at energy? That was awesome energy. You felt it. I could see your eyes light I felt, up. <laughs> I, felt your, I felt your attempt at energy. I was going to do good morning Vietnam kind of style, but then yeah. I didn't pull it off fully how I wanted. I Partly many, I did. But. I mean, I bet a lot of our listeners do remember that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it forever. It just popped in my head when you said energetic morning. It's like, yeah. It's an energetic, yeah. Yeah, well, it's not. The, the reason why we're trying to come off energetic is neither one of us are feeling energetic, mm-hmm. but we're hoping... The adrenaline of talking to all eight of our listeners is going to like carry us through. Yes, and certainly the topic will wake us up as we get going here because it's awesome. I hope so, I hope so. Yeah, I so I'm still battling this illness thing, man. Man, that's been a while. Yeah, now you're trapped in a room with me. No, I'm not like still sick, actively sick, but it's just the symptoms are still like hanging. Yes. So, so I'm so I'm not in danger in any way. I don't think. I mean, I'm not a. I don't know, but I know it makes my voice, you know, the funny thing is it might make my voice sound more radio. Yeah. A little more authoritative. Yeah. A little I deep in. Authoritative. I mean. I did. So you're saying normally <laughs> I sound whiny and weak? I mean, one could read that into it, but that's not what I meant. I'm just going to, all right, well then I'm going to try it. I'm gonna we try haven't to gotten to do this for a little while. I know. You were I mean, away at seminary. This is fun. Is this the first? Oh. Oh, that's right. You and I haven't because I did yeah. it with Christoph last uh-huh. week. Yeah. Because Christoph preached and. Yeah. And so now it's you and me. It is. It's great. Yeah. It's good to be back with you, man. It is. Hey, I've got, um, I've got a quote. I've got a, uh, we had a submission that I want to start with today. Awesome. Do it. Yeah. Well, maybe. So this comes from Carrie. Okay. In our church. And she says, why don't you quote me? And well, Carrie, I feel like we just solved that in the quickest, most efficient way we ever have. We're a very efficient two people this morning, getting just, things done. Yeah, just check that off the list. Done. Carrie, thanks for your submission. Yeah, thanks for your submission. Keep so, them coming. Yep. All right. So we actually did have some questions and thoughts around the actual sermon, which, well, you know, that was actually fitting. Ask and it will be given. It's true. There's a power in asking. But before we get to the questions... I don't know if we really answered that well, though. To answer Carrie's question, we just did. We, yep, we did. There you go. I didn't know. like That might have been too too subtle for a morning recording. <laughs> that doesn't mean that's when people are listening to it, though. No, they're that's not. That's why I always had to tell Robbie. He's like, just because just cause we're recording it right now does not mean that's when we're, they're listening to it. No, and they're devoting 100% of their focus to what to us. Dude, if there's they no are, way they're doing dishes or driving no, or anything. No, like no. Nope. Well, and you have to. There's no way you're following this arc <laughs> without without that. I mean, this has been three minutes of just intense, rich, deep material. That if you've been doing anything else, there's just no way that you could catch up. You'll have to go back. You'll double to, speed. They're double speeding this. Yeah, if you're double. Yeah, no. If you're double speeding, there's just no way. <laughs> all right, slow it down to one point two five. All right. Yeah. I wonder. We're gonna get to the meat. There needs to be a um, a speed adjuster that knows who's speaking. Because I think if people go double speed with us, every time I talk, it's probably too fast. And every time you talk, that feels normal. <laughs> and then if they go to like one speed with me, it's like, okay. But with you, they're like, okay, I got to I gotta speed him up. And, yep. you know, like, I'm yeah. sure that's out there or it will be shortly. All right, let's move on to the sermon. Yeah, so Jay, I uh, really enjoyed this one. I thought 
the the main point especially really struck me. So I thought since it's been a couple of days, maybe you could start by just restating or explaining what you felt like was the main point, the big idea um, in this passage, Matthew 7. Yeah, I mean, not, not only did you think that that was a, a great point, but you said you actually said you could have just done that and not done the rest of the sermon. You said the main point. <laughs> I did not. You didn't say that? No, I did not say that. I, my ears are... This, it's this illness I'm yeah. struggling with the hearing. Um, it's important to distinguish the voice in your head from my voice, Jay. I should, yeah. <laughs> I really do need to distinguish but, that. Yeah, but especially when we're t- recording. But recording. so, but could you please yes. uh, restate it? Yeah, you're making this so difficult right now. This, this is my charm. Uh, Robbie prepared for you for this. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we were we were in Matthew seven, the ask and it will be given passage, and. And the main idea, and I kept, I wanted to create this and I, and I try to do this, have a main idea that I keep pulling back to. Sometimes I um, say it and sometimes I don't. It just is there in the background to draw everything back together. But this one I felt like was helpful to just share it. And I, I said, if we, if we understood who we were approaching and what he was offering, we, we would ask for all that we desire and receive more than we could imagine. And it's, it's off of the idea that Jesus is giving us this incredible command, like ask and it will be given. But there is a lot of difficulty in that of understanding because most of us, all of us have examples. All of us who have asked for anything know what it's like to not, to not receive, to not get what we asked for. And so the question is, you know, well, what and um, how do we ask and, and what are we supposed to be asking for and all this? And what I wanted to try to do is shift that, which you've done a couple times in your sermons here in the Sermon on the Mount, is draw people back to the who. That Jesus, the whole time, when he's talking about that, he talk, he's talking about the kingdom and he's talking about our Heavenly Father. And it's not about... Um, how we are to even you know get in, or how we're to you know manipulate things, or it's it's he wants them to understand the relationship. So you pointed that out when you're talking about the the do not worry passage, and the issue isn't about bread; it's about who's giving the bread. The same God who feeds the birds of the air is your Father, and He's going to give you that. And so where we tend to be fixated on the circumstances and we tend to be fixated on the things, Jesus is saying, no, focus, be fixated, focus on the relationship that you have with the one who is the giver of all those things. That was more than a one sentence recap there, but I just thought when I was reading the sentence. Well, I think it's helpful. I mean, it's interesting when we talk about prayer, I mean, each one of us is wired differently. So the way we approach the question of how does prayer work and what happens when I don't get what I really thought I, I should get, what I thought was good, you know? Um, the way we answer that question varies quite a bit. But I think to at the outset, start with, this is about, again, a person who is with us. So remember, Father in Heaven isn't Father who is in outer space somewhere far away. It's Father in Heaven, meaning right here in our midst. And he's present with us, and we are made to be in constant interactive relationship with him. And Jesus, throughout this sermon, and if we read the sermon all in one chunk, I think that'd be even more clear. But 
we're taking it a chunk at a time to try to really get at the meat. But he over and over again is using that phrase. And I think that was just such a helpful reminder again that that's what he is again teaching and instructing them about. Who is the father and what is he like? And because he is like this, you could expect this from him over and over again. Yeah, and so I think the big questions that come up still, um, even even after after the message and everything, and I and I tried to, um, I tried to address those questions of well, what happens when you know when we pray and um, we don't receive what we get, like, and 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 what can happen? Well, we don't receive what we ask for, and how that can be a deterrent to prayer, and how a lot of people, some of the feedback I got. Um, was actually a, a different angle of the same issue. So so the classic response to, I prayed um, for healing for this loved one and God didn't heal them. And so therefore, um, I, I just have concluded that God doesn't care, he doesn't love us, um, or he isn't sovereign. And And so that's one way that that can go. And then the other way that can go is to say, okay, I trust God. He's still good. That must not have been his will. But you know what? I'm kind of I'm kind of going to give up on trying to guess his will. Like I just trust him. And that's the path that I shared a little bit that I went down in my life where I was like, look, I don't know better. And so I'm just going to I'm just going to let him. I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will pray for me and will ask the things that I don't know to ask for, I'm going to trust, I trust his plan anyway. So I'm not going to even bother getting into that because I don't really want to be disappointed and I don't really want to go down those other roads. So it's just better to not ask for anything. So what would you say to somebody who is in that situation? They say, I just, it's just safer not to ask. I trust him. And because I trust him, I'm just saying like, I'm not, I'm just not going to get involved with that. I'm just going to let him do what he's going to do. I trust that it's good, you know, eventually. Besides, Scripture says he knows what you need before you even ask. So I'm not going to ask him for anything that he doesn't know I want. He already knows the desires of my heart. And and he's going to do his will, which is good. And I'm acknowledging it's better. So why, why even pray? Why even ask? I want to hear your answer to this too. I, it's so interesting because there's so much w- of what you just said that is really beautiful and really true. The heart that is saying, I trust you, God. I trust these outcomes into your hand. I trust that your spirit is interceding and Jesus is interceding. We read that passage recently on our behalf. At the same time, I feel like those are things that you could read in the screw tape letters when C.S. Lewis has two demons interacting over how to basically make a follower of Jesus powerless in the face of evil. So like there's there's subtle there's a lot of truth in those that feeling, but it's missing something I think really important about the power of prayer and about how God chooses to involve us in what he is doing in the world. Now, it's interesting, even the one you quoted, um, that he knows what we need even before we ask him. It's interesting how that could be used in our heart to tell ourselves, well, if he already knows, I don't need to ask. But Jesus didn't say that. He says it in the context of praying. He says it 
to to say therefore don't worry about even yeah. the words you're going to use don't worry about messing it up yep. you can't mess it up because he already knows so you don't have to worry about do i have the right language do i have the right words do i have the right can i write am i asking about this in an articulate way or in a winsome way you don't have to worry about any of that because he already knows he does so, yeah, right that's the context but yeah and it was like the the pagan method of approaching god and, and needing tons of words in order to get it right and almost like a spell or an incantation or something. Again, that's concerned with the mechanism of prayer. So I would just say, for, well, I also, this hopefully this goes without saying, but I empathize with that and have felt that same thing. You know, I think most of us probably have at one point or another in our walk with Jesus. Like, does what I'm about to say and ask for matter at all? Like, it seems like God has this. And why would he want my input? He knows what's best. I'll just say, give me what's best. Um, and I think ending in that place could be really good, but the process of arriving at give me what's best involves us actually expressing to him the desires that we have in our heart for the world around us, for ourselves and our loved ones and our family. How would you start to answer that, Jay? Well, I'd probably start by saying my good buddy Jeff said, and then I would just quote everything you just said, (laughs) Okay. because I mean, here's what's interesting about that. You have such a gentle way about it. If I would have said, I think what you just said, I, I think it would have come off a little little rougher on the edges because of this. What you said was, by doing that, we're kind of playing into the hands of the enemy. Yes. And so this isn't, I, and I think this is critical. And this is, a, this is where I have felt confronted in, in, in my own life in this. This isn't like a little missing piece of our lives if we say you know what i'm just going to i'm just going to withdraw i'm going to go about my life live try to live faithfully but i'm just not going to make requests known to god cuz it's just safer you're actually let I me mean, think about what's happening there you're isolating yourself from intimacy with god in a sense we're saying i have to protect myself from god and and then what happens is we start to um, develop a life that is more about our works than it is about that relationship. Meaning, if in any given day I'm thinking, well, yeah, these are the things I want, but I'm not going to tell God because he knows what's best. And I'll just say, God, your will be done and that'll be it. And then I'm going to go about my life. Well, that doesn't remove desires from our heart. And... and and we end up, that's, I think, a lot of how people end up in a world where they're just, they're living a Christian life and believing in God, but they're living it really just as, almost as an atheist, like a functional atheist. That's the that's the really dangerous end to that road. Now, I'm not saying everybody who, you know, there's other ways of exhibiting faith. Even, you know, as I have struggled with that, I'm still, there have been times of, you know, like listening to the Holy Spirit and going and serving in a place or sharing the gospel with somebody and feeling God's presence in that and even asking for his help in those things. So it's not like you're completely shutting yourself off, you know, from every angle, but there is a very specific and very certain angle that you are shutting yourself off from that intimacy and that's dangerous. And that's what the enemy, you know, can get a foothold in there and can start to kind of harden you to to just being the toddler for in 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 that relationship with God that we're called to be. 
that's what I was trying to get at with the whole, yeah, we know we're children, but we kind of think of ourselves as grown adult children who are basically, you know, basically can handle ourselves. And if we realize like, no, we're not, I mean, part of being a, a toddler is, is handling the disappointment of not getting what you want, but in the context of that relationship. So, so that's one thing I would say is how dangerous that actually is. And I think you bringing in screw tape letters is really, um, is great because it, it makes us aware of, you know, actually we're being influenced by the evil one there. This isn't a, this isn't a, well, okay, so I'm living like an A minus Christian life then. This is like, no, you're, you're taking what is pure and there is, there is a dark evil part in there. And that, that says, don't ask, because that is not the voice of the spirit saying, just don't ask for anything and you won't be disappointed. And that's what I had to confront in my own life is that's not the spirit saying that. So who am I listening to? And then the other thing is like, well, so why, you know, why would you, why should you pour out your requests or make your requests known, even if it's not in God's will or it's, um, he's going to say no. And because, because it is like the other thing that you mentioned, he shapes you through it. Like that process of being shaped through prayer is critical. It develops intimacy with him. He's letting us in. I mean, you think about it this way. Let's say you ask for, for something over here. And God's saying, you know what? I actually have something better. And I, I want to help you pray for that. And so then he starts to shape your prayer. What he's doing is he's letting you in on the work that he's doing. So by asking for that thing, so like for me, asking for my mom to be healed what God's doing in that moment is saying, um, I'm actually going to do something even greater. And I want you to be a part. I want you to see it. And through prayer, he's kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit and letting me see, letting me and, and, and shaping my heart around what he's actually going, what he's actually doing. And then my prayer starts shifting and it starts being, um, being for what he's going to do. Uh, and, and then that's better. And it's way better than if I hadn't been asking or praying at all. Like if I'd never asked, if I never said, God, please heal my mom, because I'm like, look, I, I, he's going to do what he's going to do. And, and I'm, I'm just going to trust him no matter what. If I did that, then I would have missed out on the shaping of my heart in that and the delight in the things that I saw in my mom as she died that were answers to prayers. Yeah, that is so huge. There, there's no shortcut to that level of intimacy yep. and familiarity with God. It's it's the same with other human beings. Like if we don't ever interact with, with someone in our life, we don't spend any time with them, and then we just show up at the end of the week. You know, we haven't seen them for six days, and now it's Sunday. We aren't going to have the same relationship with them as if we had shared experiences throughout the week and interaction throughout the week. We, there's just no shortcut for that. So I love how you're describing that, Jay, because it's true. He changes us and we get to know him as we experience that together. And I would say, too, this is not an experience that's foreign to the human beings that are in the Bible. So that's one of the reasons that I love the Psalms. I think that we should all be having a regular diet of the Psalms. If If you're interested, even just search the phrase, How long, O Lord? 
How long, O Lord? And you will find psalm after psalm after psalm of human beings like us, flesh and blood, wrestling with, why hasn't God acted yet? I've asked for this to happen. It hasn't happened. And you can see how they work it out. And and it gives you kind of a window into an intimate relationship that another human had with God. And for me, that has helped me in those moments. I mean, I've had moments in my life where prayer is super dry or where I feel like my faith is just almost non-existent. I had a season where all I could pray was, Father, I believe that you are the author and perfecter of my faith. You will uphold me, and I feel like that's all I have right now. And that's all I could give him. And by God's grace, he carried me through that season. Um, but that I just wanted to acknowledge that. There, there, are, there are certain seasons in life where prayer can be more difficult and certain seasons where it can feel, wow, this is the best thing I've, I've experienced. This is amazing that I get access to God this way and that he's with me. And it's not weird when we have those seasons. That's part of it. No, not at all. But he's always doing something good in it. He is, always. And I, I, a biblical example to give, a really concrete one, is the famous passage where Paul prays for this thorn of flesh to be removed. And it's in it's in 2 Corinthians 12. And he talks about, um, you know, in, in verse 7 he says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And now we don't know what that thorn in the flesh is. There's all kinds of theories about it. But here's the point that matters. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. And so that's, I mean, you can see the journey right there. Yes. That it's starting with, well, I God, remove this thing, this messenger of Satan that's harassing me. Notice he, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, um, God, you're doing this to me in this sense. There's other times Job says... You know, God, you're the one responsible for this. But Paul says this is a messenger of Satan. This is evil. So he's asking for something hard to be removed so that he can do more ministry. Like it's inhibiting him. At the time, he's thinking this is inhibiting me. But he, God says no. And what does God do? He doesn't just say, nope, you deserve this or nope, you know, just suck it up. It is for, it's actually, he's doing something even better. So Paul wants this thorn in his flesh to be removed, like all of us would. All of us would think, wow, I'd be more effective if this wasn't slowing me down, right? I'd be more effective in ministry if I didn't have this ailment. I'd be more effective in ministry if I didn't have this person constantly making life difficult. And yet what God is saying is, no, I'm actually going to do something better. One, I'm going to protect you from arrogance. So that's what Paul realizes in hindsight, that this was to protect him from arrogance and, and to keep you humble. So this is protecting you. Also, it's how I'm, how I'm going to display my power. You're going to learn that my grace is all you need, which, by the way, Paul's going to need that lesson, right? Like you, you're going to need to know that my grace is sufficient, Paul. And 
even to the point where now if you look at Paul, how he comes out of that, he says, okay, I mean, he sees so much sees that what God is doing is better that he stops praying for the thorn to be removed because he wouldn't want it to because it's keeping him humble and he gets to see the power of Christ on display in his weaknesses. And he wouldn't want that. He wouldn't want to lose that. And so therefore he stops praying for the thorn to be removed. And I think seeing that process, now does that make the, does that mean the thorn was any less painful? Probably not. It's probably the same amount of annoyance, same amount of whatever. But in light of what God is doing, he wouldn't trade it. And I think that, and so just think about how much better that process is for Paul. He now sees what God is doing. He's humbled in in this so that he doesn't end up becoming arrogant like some other people who had to make a shipwreck of their faith. Like he, God keeps him humble and keeps him weak so that he gets to see the power of Christ on display. That's all through the process of him pleading to God to remove this thorn from his flesh. If he hadn't done any of that, and if he had this thorn in his flesh, and he's like, you know what? It's just the cost of doing business. Not a big deal. Guess what probably happens? Probably doesn't humble him. It probably puffs him up because he probably starts to feel like, you know, oh, I must, I must be really important because I'm being attacked or, or, or he might start defending himself. Um, if it's a person or he might start to, if it was an ailment, he might start to grow in self-pity because of all that he's doing. And he certainly wouldn't see the power of Christ on display because he would just be like, well, I'm sure when God wants to do this, he'll, I'm, I'm going to be a good soldier. I'm sure that whenever, if he wants to remove this, he will. The end result would actually be more arrogance and less power of Christ. But because he made his request known for God to God that God then said no to, but showed him something better, he gets humility and gets to see the power of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. Like that's just better. That's like, it's a complete 180 of like one is, it's not even just a little bit better. It's like one is beautiful and of the kingdom and the other is destructive. And the difference is, is Paul willing to just call out and cry out to God and say, please take this away from me. Yeah. And it's amazing to think of how, as he actually experienced that with God and, and calling out, his dependence on God was deepened in a way that he probably couldn't have imagined until he actually experienced it for himself. To me, that's that's the part of this that I think is so crucial for for me. I'm like, as we're talking, I'm reminding myself, but I want to say it out loud, that there's just no shortcut. There's no shortcut to intimacy with God that doesn't involve us actually experiencing him and interacting with him. And wrestling in prayer and even wrestling through doubt in prayer with God and disappointment is all part of that process that is ultimately for our good. So we'll learn who God is. So we'll learn what it looks like to live in his kingdom right now. And I think if we have the end in mind, it's super helpful because our end is a new creation, right? Our end is heaven and earth being renewed and us reigning with Christ. And I believe one day the things that that we desire will always be what is always good. And they will always be what God desires and designed for the world. So we will be able to one day, I believe, in all of our desires, ask for what will be granted because we've been so transformed to be like Christ 
that we're never asking for a scorpion. We're never asking for a snake. We're always asking for what is truly good in the kingdom. And we have to learn that. We can't just be told that. We have to learn it through experience. And I think that's part of what this process is for us. You know, another yeah. another biblical example that, that actually I just read this morning, it just happened to be part of the reading plan I'm on, is in James chapter 5. And James gives the example of Elijah praying that it wouldn't rain, and then it didn't rain for years. And then Elijah again prays that it would rain, and it did rain. And he gives a short preface to the, the statement, and he says, Elijah was a human being with a nature just like ours. Again, trying to underscore, this is, the, this is something that human beings were designed for and made for. And you don't get the sense at all that if Elijah hadn't prayed, that it would have stopped raining. It was because he prayed that it stopped raining. And then it was because he prayed again that it rained again. And there's something mysterious in that for us, that God chooses to involve us in accomplishing his purposes in the world. And often the way he does that is through our prayers and our wrestling in prayer for the world and for people around us. Which is a great mystery, right? It is. It's, I mean, it's, it's like one of the big theological battles of does, does prayer change things? And you know, can you change God's mind with prayer? And there's a couple of passages that make you think, well, yeah, you can. And then there are a lot of passages that make you think, well, no, God is sovereign. And, and we certainly don't love the idea of that, you know, Billy down the street could just ask God and all of a sudden everything changes in the world. And, um, but the reality is that's how God chooses to work. And we have to be able to embrace that mystery. You know, when we, there's so many things in scripture that are held in tension and faith is to just, to be able to press forward knowing I don't, I don't understand fully what's going on here. I don't understand fully how this works. But if I, again, this goes back to being a child, you know, when you're two or three and your dad says, Hey, hand me, hand me that screwdriver. If you know what a screwdriver is, you hand him the screwdriver. You don't at two or three, don't say like, "Mm, don't you think a socket is what you're looking for there, dad? But as an adult child, you know, as a grown adult, you and I both have these experiences where maybe, you know, your dad says like, hey, don't you think you should do this? And and kind of the thought is like, well, I know you have some experience with that, but I got my own ideas. Um, and that's not the way we approach. Like God is our heavenly father. We are toddlers. And so we're not going to understand perfectly how that works out and In fact, a lot of heresies in the church have come from trying to understand mysteries and trying to make a mystery not mysterious. So, you know, and one of the biblical examples I would like to point out about that is Romans 9 and Romans 10 are right back to back. In Romans 9, you have what is, you know, the preeminent chapter about God's sovereignty and predestination and all these big, hard concepts about God's sovereignty um, and that in the elect and how God chooses and how he saves. And, and then in Romans 10, it's how are they going to hear? Like, how will they be saved if they don't hear? And how will they hear unless somebody goes and preaches? Like, all of a sudden, it's like, well, wait a second, which one is it, God? Do you, 
do you choose before the foundations of the earth and save who you choose? Or is it based on like, we need to go and preach so that they can respond? And the biblical answer is yes. And so when you talk about prayer and you say, okay, well, which is it, God? Like, do we make our request known for you because it changes those things out there? Or what a lot of people will say, prayer changes things, but it changes your heart. Well, is it about changing what, how God, you know, what happens, what God does in the world or impacting what God does in the world? Or is it about impacting our own hearts? And I'd say, well, according to scripture, yes. Mm -hmm. But the big thing, the big thing of all of it is because he asks, he tells us to over and over and over and over again. He says, ask me the parable of the persistent widow, the sermon on the Mount, ask your father, ask, and it will be given, ask for whatever you wish like all these are in the, he constantly is saying, ask me. So unless you think he's playing a big practical joke or he's doing it just to kind of flex, you're like, oh yeah, I wanted you to ask me just so you'd know that, you know, I can do whatever I want, which we know those things aren't true. He's a good father. So he tells us to ask him. So he must be doing really great things through our asking, whether it's shaping us or, he's going to do something and he wants us to be excited about too. I mean, that's another piece of this, right? Like that we've all experienced where, um, man, I'll hear sometimes about somebody in a church, but in the church, but after the fact, right? Like, so I'm, I'm on vacation or I was out of the office or whatever. And something happened during the day and, and people who are here got to pray through that whole thing. Like it started out scary, you know, someone went to the hospital, they're praying for them, whatever, they find out that it's, um, everything's okay. Well, who do you think has more joy at the end of that day? The person who walked through that whole cycle of praying and, and asking God to resolve the situation and heal this person or praying that the test would come back negative or whatever, or the person who comes in at the end of the day and it says like, Hey guys, what happened? Oh man. Well, here's what happened. I, you know, that, that person that just comes in at the end and hears the story can still rejoice and thank God, but that's not the same as what happened in the hearts of the people who were praying all along. So at the very least, we see how God invites us into what he's doing. This is, this is a primary way that he shapes our heart around the desires of the kingdom. When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, and we talk about well, how do you desire those treasures? How do you see them as beautiful? It's, it's through prayer. It's through that communion with God as we read his word and we pray and we make our requests known to him. And as we say them out loud and we hear them and then he shapes our heart and we say, you know what? I, I don't think that's what I'm supposed to be praying for. Like, this is what I feel inclined to pray for. That's how he shapes our hearts around the kingdom. And that's how he chooses to work. And and we just, the question is, do we believe him or not? And do we, do we trust him? Do we trust him that he'll even be able to shepherd us through our disappointment when things don't turn out the way that we are hoping that they will turn out? Yeah, that's really well said. And, and will he be surprised if we're disappointed or is that all part of what he's doing? Right? Like that is not, oh, wow. I didn't know that would happen. No, it's all part of it. And so I guess two words of encouragement, really practical here, uh, towards the end if any one of us today had a lunch meeting with Jesus, like he walked into whatever room we were sitting in and he sat down and he looked at us in the eyes and said, 
I want you to ask my father for these things. I want you, I want you to ask. I want you to seek. I want you to knock. I want you to make your desires known to him. All of us, I, I believe, if we had that experience, all of us would do that, at least for a day. <laughs> we would. We might have all kinds of questions, yes, but I think the experience of hearing him say to us directly, I want you, this is what the Father is like. This is what your Heavenly Father is like. Pray to him. Give him your desires. We would do that. And so I think part of this is trusting obedience in the face of mystery that is beyond our comprehension. We trust and we follow his teachings because he's master and we are disciples, students trying to learn from him. But uh, the other part is we're not in this alone. So I think I would encourage, like when I have questions in prayer or where I'm feeling disappointed, I, I tell God first, I tell him, Lord, I don't understand this. I really do vocalize it to him. But then I involve the brothers and sisters that are around me in that process. And there's no shame in that. In fact, I think that's just being honest with each other. That's just being and letting other people into the reality that walking with Jesus, while a great gift, and I think the the best thing that's available for any human being, is also challenging, and it's not meant to be done alone. And we talked about that with the Lord's Prayer, how it's always our Father in heaven, not just my Father in heaven. So I would encourage you to involve people in this, and Jay and I would love to talk about that, but we also know there are people that are even closer in your life than us who you could involve in that conversation and involve in praying with you for the things that you feel like, I don't have faith to pray for this, but I want to. Um, you can involve other people in that as well. Yeah, and, and my final like practical help would be once you believe and understand, okay, this is a command. He's telling us we're supposed to ask him. We're supposed to, with prayer and supplication, make our requests known to him. We're supposed to petition him. Again, the persistent parable of the persistent widow, which I should have used on Sunday, is such a powerful illustration. You know, Jesus is telling them, listen, you should be like this. Just keep going. So, so a practical tip in that is here are just a few things in my own prayer life that I would say, um, and I'm still struggling through all this, but, um, if there's something that I really want, that's really clear, like healing or, you know, something where I I'm just, I'm asking for something like that. A lot of times I'll just pray, God, this is, this is what I want. We want this person to be healed. I want this person to be healed. I'm praying that you will do that. I'm begging you to do that. And, and I'll say, and if you want me to pray something else, then I need you to, you're going to have to make me pray something else. But this is, this is what I'm praying. And, um, so that's one way that I'll do that is I'll, I'll pray. So I think don't, don't bring your polished requests. If there's anything I could impart at this point, as far as practical goes, is don't try to guess what God wants you to pray for before you pray for it. Like that, if, if there's anything, start at the very, ba- even if you're like, this feels so silly, I know better than to ask for this. Even if it's like, I, whatever it is. And just ask him and start there and then be open to him shaping you. So pray for something that you want and then say, and then like, so I'll, I'll say, God, I need you to show me if I'm supposed to pray something different. But until I really hear that, I'm just praying this. Um, another way is I might say, God, I don't know how to pray. 
but um, I think this is what I want, but I honestly don't even know what I want here. Could you help me see what is good? And I, I, I want to pray for that. Another thing I might say, like, Lord, just teach me how to pray. That's, that's when with the spirit intercedes for us, when you're just like, God, I, I just don't even know. Like, I feel so spun around right now. Maybe you're being faced with like a, a job change or something like that, where you're just like, I don't even know. God, if you just tell me what you want me to do, I would do it. But like express all the desires in it. Like maybe, maybe it's like, God, this is drawing me because it offers more money. This is drawing me because I like the the community that I would live in better. Like there, you know, whatever those things are, like tell him all of those things and, and trust him with all of that because he's your, your heavenly father. So those are just a few practical things of just saying, start with whatever you have. If it's a little desire, if it's something you clearly want, if it's something that you um, think that might be best or whatever, but tell him all of those things. And as you do that, my experience is as I have done that, he, he starts to shape our hearts and he starts to, to steer us in the path and then let us kind of peek behind the curtain where he's like, Hey, let me, let me show you something. This is actually what I'm doing. And then we get, can get excited about that. He is good to do that. He doesn't leave us isolated. Most of the time when we think God is silent, he's, it's, it's either because he's just sitting right there with you. It's kind of like the, you know, when a toddler's like, why won't you, you know, why won't you answer me? Like, well, I did, I did already answer you. And, um, and I, and now he's with you. So he's never, he's never distant. He seems like you might, he might seem that way, or he might seem like he's not answering you, but like that's, he's doing something in that, but he's with you. Like he's very near. And so just keep pressing into that. So I feel like even even my very practical stuff gets very convoluted. So sorry about that. But hopefully that's helpful. I think it's super helpful, Jay. Just start small. Start with whatever you have and let him shape. That's the big thing. Don't, Trust him. No, no prep time for prayer. There should be no prep time for prayer. Yeah, we don't put our prayers through like a rock tumbler so they're all smooth and nice. No. And then give them, guys, no. put in the rough stuff. Yep. The real raw materials. Yep. Put them all in there. That's, that's, that's good right there. See a rock tumbler. We're in this together. Jim. I didn't even know what that, I didn't even know what that was, but the way you explained that, I was like, oh yeah, now I know what that is. Very good. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully this has been helpful this morning and, uh, we were energetic enough, um, for whenever you were listening to this, but we appreciate it and, um, hope it, that it's helpful. If there's other ways we can be helpful, if you have feedback, we've gotten more feedback the last couple of weeks and um, that's been super helpful because it really, it helps. I think it makes the podcast better because it shapes it around what the whole design was, was to say like, what if we were able to just let people eavesdrop in on a conversation after the fact? Um, and so that's that's the hope of this. So you can always email us at connect at faithpastorgo.com or talk to us on a Sunday morning or give us a call. And, um, and we just we want to help you as we journey together, following Jesus, trying to be God's family on mission. So until next time, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.